Welcome to your Friday Twins Insider Podcast. I am Michael Rand. Trying a little something different today. We've covered a lot of ground this week uh, with various uh, guests. Had Phil Miller on a couple times, Lavelli Neal III, Chip Scoggins. I'm going to give those guys a little break today as they are uh, winding up stuff over at uh, Target Field, kind of getting ready for, you know, a bunch of uh, great preview stuff that you should be reading on StarTribune.com, and you should definitely go back and listen to the Monday through Thursday podcast. We talked a lot about the optimism on this team. We talked a lot about um, you know, Byron Buxton, his injury, Miguel Sano coming back. It was a newsy week in Twinsland as they prepare to open the regular season one week from today. But today, I want to answer your questions. Um Reader questions, reader feedback is always important. So I kind of opened it up to, uh, to just to questions today and, and any general inquiries you had about the season ahead or really uh, anything that might be on your mind, uh, twins related. Got some funny ones, got some serious ones. So let's get to it. Uh, you can always ask me, ask other, our other twins folks, but myself uh, at Randball on Twitter is uh, the best way to do it. Um, so let's get started. The first question actually came from Jake on direct message. He wanted to know, what do you think is going to be the starting rotation for the Twins this year? And I think it's kind of an interesting question. It, it might be more cut and dried, but I think it's it's definitely one of those things that was impacted the most by obviously the the bizarre strange uh season that we are now finding ourselves uh, about ready to cover as opposed to the traditional 162 game season that that you know the twins were preparing for in march before the coronavirus shut everything down to now you know in july preparing for a 60 game season i think i don't think there's any question that it looks different right now than it probably would have looked like then. I think there's a couple things at play. First, um, Rich Hill, who they signed in the offseason with really good track record, but also an injury history and looked like he might not be ready until midsummer. Well, guess what? It's midsummer. They haven't played a single regular season game yet. It looks like he is definitely trending toward you know, starting the year in the rotation, whereas he probably would have missed at least half the season under regular circumstances. So, now, that's one spot that you know kind of seemed like it was at least temporarily up for grabs that that is now going to be filled by uh, by Rich Hill, very capable pitcher who's looked really good to, to be honest so far. Um, you know, in this uh, summer camp, as we like to call it. So, you know, and and two, I think in a sixty game season where there's less margin for error, I, I imagine the Twins might be tempted to maybe go with more known commodities. Um, you know, people who have a longer track record, people who have done it before and, you know, had, a, I guess, maybe huge levels of success is the wrong way to put it, but there's less volatility, I guess, in the performance of someone who has, you know, has a more proven track record. So with that in mind, I think, you know, all indications are the starting five rotation-wise will be Jose Barrios, Jake Odorizzi, Rich Hill, Kenta Maeda, and Homer Bailey. Um, a pretty veteran uh, rotation, especially considering, you know, some of the options that uh, are out there, some of, you know, kind of what they ended up using a, a year ago. Um, and I think 
you know, someone like Randy Dobnik, who, you know, let's not forget, started game two of the American League Division Series last year against the Yankees, you know, partly out of desperation is the wrong word, but partly out of a lack of other options after Michael Pineda's suspension, after Kyle Gibson uh, was beset by, you know, inconsistency, poor poor performance, um, injury, obviously, and an illness affecting his season. Um, you know, they had, you know, just other other factors last year led them to that path in, in game two of the ALDS. I think he would have been really trending toward one of those top five spots uh, if, if, you know, they were starting the year in early April, not late July. Uh, so a little bit of a, you know, a, a bad career break, I would think, for, for Dobnik because he would have had a little chance to to prove himself while while Rich Hill was, you know, waiting to get back into the rotation. Um, and I guess the other, you know, the other piece of this is, is the Homer Bailey part of the equation. He's definitely on the back end of the rotation. I don't think he excites a, a whole lot of people, but if you look at his track record, if you look at what he did, especially last year, um, and in particular, the back half of last year after he got traded to Oakland, when his command got a little bit better, when he figured some things out, um, he gave Oakland some pretty good starts. Basically, in his 13 starts with Oakland last season after after arriving there in mid-July, uh, 11 of those 13, he went at least five innings with allowing three runs or fewer. And again, that's not, you know, wholly exciting. A lot of the starts were better than that. You know, six innings, one run, seven innings, no runs, you know, another seven innings, no runs. So he, he, he was, there were some better than average or better than just serviceable performances in there. But if you look at the way this Twins lineup stacks up and you say, hey, we've got a pitcher that we think 70, 80% of the time is going to go out there and keep you know, keep them keep the game manageable at the very least. Uh, that that's a pretty enticing prospect, I, I would imagine, for you know, for for an offense that looks like it's built once again to score a lot of runs. So I would guess that's how the the five is going to go, barring injury and barring anything unforeseen. Um, I think Dobnik is is in line. If something happens, I think Devin Smeltzer is too. Um, you know, someone like Lewis Thorpe certainly uh, could could get a look. And then we can't forget Michael Pineda, um, 36-game suspension now. But that that's someone who, you know, could displace one of those other five, um, you know, two, you know, three-fifths of the way into a 60-game season when he's when he's eligible to return, which will be an interesting storyline as well. You know, if everybody's pitching great, what happens to him? Um, but these things do tend to sort themselves out. So the, the starting five that they begin the year with, the rotation might not be uh, the five they end the year with, but it, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a, it's some quality depth and maybe something that they haven't had um, in, in years past. And certainly that, you know, when you think about their, their predicament last year, uh, I know Dobnik had pitched well in the regular season, but you know, to, to have to, to, to make, to have that be your, feel like that was your best option for game two in Yankee stadium of a playoff series when you're in a one Oh hole already. Uh, that's, you know, that, that does not signal to me the same kind of quality pitching depth that they have going into this season. Uh, next question. Uh, I like this one, uh, comes, uh, comes from Dan Wade wants to know, um, 60 game season, Joe Maurer in his prime, what odds are you giving him to break 
400. Uh, you know, it's a good one because I, I think, you know, someone hitting 400 is a a much greater possibility. Obviously, in a in a shortened season like this, you know, the the longer you play, the more things would tend to even out. Over 162 games. Obviously, it hasn't happened in was that probably going on 80 years almost now with Ted Williams uh, hitting 406 there's been some challengers you know George Brett Rod Carew um Maurer you know 2009 Joe Maurer which all of us would agree was peak Joe Maurer I believe he he had a 60 game stretch in there where he either hit 400 or was really close um that said it, it's still got to be the right 60 games right you can't just say because someone had that kind of stretch at some point in their career that they would do that over the exact 60 games that they are being given this year there's there's a lot of variables so I would I would give peak Joe Maurer a much better chance to do it than almost anyone else I can think of um, you know at least in in recent twins memory I think Luis Arias is an interesting one um, just because of the way he puts the ball in play. He's, you know, like Maurer, he's not uh, really fast. uh, So you you maybe lose out on some of those infield hits. I think Maurer definitely benefited, you know, back then um, from playing in the Metrodome, playing on turf. Uh, You know, a lot of those hard ground balls got through. Maybe it's a little harder to do that on grass. But, you know, if we're talking about 2009 Joe Maurer, I would maybe give him maybe a 5% chance of hitting 400 in, in a, in a short season. And maybe that's even too high. I, 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 but you know, that's again, that maybe that if that sounds low, uh, maybe that's, that's only because, you know, it's a one in 20 chance. And then maybe that's too high. I mean, maybe, maybe two, 3%. I got to think this through, but I think it's, I think it would certainly be possible, but still very unlikely, um, given, you know, given what we know about the history of baseball, but it would be pretty cool to see someone do it this year. Uh, it would also have a pretty big asterisk next to it. I don't know if that person would be recognized officially, or at least among the baseball purists as the most recent 400 hitter. Uh, I got some questions here. Um, with when I tweeted out the the the, the call for questions uh, about this, I, I for some reason I had an image, and maybe it was from a blog post I did a couple weeks ago. Uh, I had an image of Tom Kelly and Chuck Knobloch out in left field during the infamous uh, hot dog battery throwing game of two thousand one. Um, just I had it, so I, I used that as the the image that I that I tweeted along with it. And Dana Wessel asked, "Ever thrown a battery at a grown man during a baseball game?" I certainly have not. Uh, nobody should do that. Um, people certainly did do that. I was actually though at that game. As you know, three hundred thousand people now claim to be. I was at that game. I was in the left field, uh, in in the stands, watching that game. Um, it was really surreal because I was uh, working at the Star Tribune at the time. I hadn't really, you know, I was obviously covering things. I hadn't, but I hadn't gotten a ton of like huge assignments yet. Certainly not Twins assignments. And then, like, I think two months later. I started covering like a handful of, of twins games that year. And it was just like a weird thing to be, you know, going from 
left field and I would admit I was a you know I would heckle from time to time I would never throw anything but uh, I you know going from that to you know the the press box in the same year was a an interesting uh, shift in in my world but that was quite a game um it was it was quite the uh, quite the experience but no uh, Dana Wessel I have uh, I've never thrown a battery at a grown man nor a child uh, during a, a baseball game um here's a good one from uh Jane wants to know what are the announcers and sports writers reactions to canned audience noises and this is actually something Phil Miller and I talked about the other day in relation to you know the the dress rehearsal game the twins had and and kind of how how that sounds I I personally kind of like it I don't know if I'm in the majority on this and I think there's definitely still some kind of kinks to to work out it's not perfect it, it's a little bit white noise-ish like like phil and i were talking about um but if let's 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 be realistic a, a lot of time a lot of this is going to be predicated on um how does it sound on tv and can you kind of get a player out of the headspace of this is weird to have absolute silence um in my environment at this game and I think the obviously the vast majority of us will experience it as TV viewers uh, rather than players. And I think as a TV viewer, I, I you know it, it it does kind of take the edge off of it. It takes the it takes the weirdness out of it to have that that background noise, even though it sh- it probably should feel weirder uh, to have fake noise than to have no noise at all because you know intellectually you know it's not real. But I think that, you know, baseball often is consumed as kind of something in the background anyway. There's so many games. Maybe that's a little different this year, but there's generally there's so many games that, you know, you, you don't always pay, you know, 100% attention to everything that's happening while you're watching on TV. You kind of have it on in the background, right? You, you, there's this kind of soundtrack. You, you know when to pay attention at the right moments. Um, and there's this kind of din. And if there was not that noise even while you were just kind of watching casually, I think that would feel really strange. It felt strange when I was watching some some of the early, you know, I think the, the Korean League games that were on ESPN or some of the soccer games that, that were shown before they started doing some of the, the crowd noise in those matches. And I... I just I feel like it it's it's a good idea, even though I, I kind of hate myself for it. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, I don't know if if I should you know if I should feel worse about it because you know like I said intellectually, it doesn't make sense that that would be soothing. But I that that's just how I feel, and I I, I, I that's that's my take on it. I think Phil Miller said he liked it more than he thought he would too, and I think maybe that's. Maybe that's going to be the consensus, especially as we get used to it. Anything that we're not used to is strange um, anyway, but um, maybe this will turn out to be something that, you know, at least takes some of that strange edge off of a, uh, you know, a game with no fans. Uh, Question from Game Over wants to know, has anyone ever been more out than Ron Gant? Um, I make no secret that I was a Braves fan, an Atlanta fan growing up. Um, that the 1991 World Series is basically uh, the same level of painful memory for me as the 1998 NFC title game is for a lot of you. Um, Basically, 
Uh, that was kind of my worst nightmare. So uh, I get trolled about that a lot in, in good in good sport. Uh, Ron Gant was pushed off of the base. He was tugged off of the base by uh, by by Kent Herbeck. I think we all. Again, intellectually, I think a lot of you know that. I think if you watch the replay uh, and pay close attention, you can see exactly what's going on. I think I will grant this. I think Gant could have avoided any and all controversy by, I don't know, maybe sliding back into the base instead of kind of ambling back into the base. Uh, but, you know, that said, he was pulled off the base. He should have been granted that base instead of called out. And I will, uh, I will always always uh believe that because it is the 100 percent truth um so that's pretty much it oh one more one more sorry i had one more i wanted to get to a uh, taco question you versus john roush in his prime who could eat more tacos in one sitting um this is weird but i have not had uh taco tuesday at least not um not a store-bought taco tuesday in in this whole time during the during the shutdown um, you know, during, while, while I've been working from home, I've certainly made tacos, uh, a number of times, but, uh, I have not, uh, done a lot of, uh, taco eating, not my kind of weekly taco output and certainly not the, the 15 that I had a, a few years ago in what, you know, could be described either as alternately impressive or extremely gross and regrettable. Um, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough call. John Roush was a big guy. I think he was like six, nine, six, ten. Um, he, I imagine he could eat a lot of food. Um, but I would never, uh, I would never say that somebody could eat more tacos than me. Um, just because I, I always bet on myself. Good questions, everybody. Uh, maybe we'll try this again. Maybe we'll make this a Friday thing. Um, as, as we explore the, uh, the podcast space, thanks for listening all week to the twins insider podcast and, uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy the season.